Hey everyone, you're listening to PR Hangover, a bi-weekly public relations podcast and talk show brought to you by Grand Valley State University's PRSSA chapter, and me, Courtney Fogel. Grab a cup of coffee and enjoy the show. Hi everyone, today we are going to be talking about music, which you know I love music and I have two people here with me that feel the same way, so I will have them introduce themselves. Hey everybody, I'm Sean Bellisitz. Hello, my name is Christian Hoffer. Uh, some people call me Chaff. Glad to be here. Cool. How do you guys know each other? How do we know each other? Uh, I want to say we met through Nick Rowland. Don't you think that's probably how we met? Mm, nah, maybe. So we definitely got closer uh, through knowing through Nick, Nick Rowland, yeah. also known as Super Future. Um, but I, I can't even remember. I think it's just like the grace of the interwebs and living near each other that really brought us together. All, all the mutual friends. Too. Yeah, and having mutual interests. I, I honestly couldn't pinpoint exactly where we met. No, I can't either, and it kind of makes me sad. <laughs> we have we have spent some time together, though. We did a podcast together. We spent some good mm-hmm. lunches together. And, okay. Yeah. And we both work downtown, so we're like not even two blocks from one another. Okay. So where do you guys work? So I work at a PR firm downtown called Truscott Rossman, and I work in the Grand Rapids office and do everything from media relations, uh, some social media content writing, things like that. Uh, But then I also, too, freelance uh, in the music industry and work with a handful of electronic music artists as their publicist. So I work for iHeartMedia West Michigan. Um, I am an honor personality for 104.5 SNX as well as B93. Um, I also am a freelance slash iHeart DJ. Um, I do clubs all around the state of Michigan and a little bit outside of the state every once in a while. Um, been doing that freelance for, geez, almost a decade now. It's kind of crazy. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. Um, why did you both, why did you get into what you do with music? Yeah, so I think for me, I just always have had a passion for music. I mean, everything from like listening to it and reading about it, and then like realizing that there is a possibility that I could actually have a career in music, and not just as an artist, because mm-hmm. I think that's like everybody's first thing to think about is, all right, I want to work in music, I'm going to be a famous artist. And you start going down the line, you're like, all right, well, I can't play this instrument, I can't sing, so how can I still work in music? And I think finding out that I really have a passion for writing and a passion for PR was a really great segue for me to get into not only working in the music industry, but actually having, like, a clear, defined, like, career path for how I can, like, achieve that. Sure. Okay. So kind of the 60-cent spiel of how I got into music. Um, I've been into music my whole life. I grew up in choir and tried to play every instrument and did trumpet for a while and tried to play guitar or whatever else. Um, Ended up going to college for engineering, and then that summer after my freshman year, I went to, like, a bunch of music festivals, and... Kind of like what you were saying, you know, artist is always like what people think to be as, you know, the way to go in music. Mm -hmm. And I think going to all these festivals made me realize, oh my gosh, like there's literally infinite amount of pieces to this puzzle. And I think that summer was when I really married the idea of like, wait a second, like I can take all of this passion that I have and find a way to package it into a music career that is completely unique and completely me. And one thing that I think has really been, like, the big driving force and what has helped me transition from just having music be, like, a hobby to becoming, like, a music professional is just being able to fill a lot of gaps. Um, You know, I've I've thrown shows. I can do a little bit of lighting. I can do a little bit, like, the tech side of things. Mm -hmm. Now I'm a media personality. I can do a lot of media, hands-on-the-ground stuff, 
DJ. I mean, it's just, I think being able to do a lot is what's really helped me turn this into a career that I've just loved today. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and I really agree with the idea of just being able to be involved and be hands-on and just being, like, a part of a team. Because mm-hmm. especially, like, while we're so young, there's a lot of, like, underground things that are happening here in, like, Grand Rapids music scene. And so, like, being able to find a way that, like, you kind of fit into the puzzle um, and are able to help other people, that's kind of how I found, you know, PR was an area that I could help people out with. But when I decided to become a PR major, I didn't actually know that a publicist was, like, a legitimate job. And I just remember Googling one day, like, all right, what kind of jobs in the music industry can I do with a public relations degree? And then literally, like, the first thing that popped up was music publicist. And I actually remember that day because I read just, like, the basic... Um, you know, dictionary definition of a publicist. And I remember that day I like resonated with that definition so hard that I took a piece of computer paper and wrote down the word publicist, the definition, and just like stuck it on my fridge. And I was like, okay, I actually now for the first time have like a set like path of where I mm-hmm. want to go. That's your end goal. Yep. Yeah. And then, like he said, oh yeah, I like I was going to say two things that you said there that really hit home uh, working with a team. Learning to work on a team is, like, the biggest thing in the music business that is going to take you to being legitimate. Even if it's something so simple as, like, you have a friend who's really good at making songs and you start submitting their songs to blogs or something like that. Being with a team of strong people who are passionate is, like, the number one way, I feel like, to actually get somewhere. Yeah. Every big accomplishment that I have had throughout my career has been because of the people around me and obviously you know you have to work hard and whatnot but that and then kind of stemming off of that finding where you fit in the puzzle you know what I mean not trying to do something that you're so incapable of like you know I I know so many people who are like oh I want to be like I just want to be a producer I just want to be a DJ but they're so good at writing or they're so good at like you know visual arts or something like that it's like find where if if music is what you want to do i think the importance of like finding where you fit within that is Mm -hmm. just can't stress it enough it's super super important i relate to that too because i started out so the first university i went to i created my own degree and because i didn't know like what public relations really was but i was i kind of termed it reputation management So I created this degree that was audio production and reputation management. And so I tied in like these audio courses, like kind of the engineering side, and then also this management, marketing, media side as well and created this degree. And then life took its own path. And then I became like the songwriter singer and put out my own work. And then I was like, this is too much for just one person to do. And I don't like to be the one that's in the spotlight. I would rather be the one behind the scenes. And then that's how I found my fit now. Um, But it's like you just, you may think it's one thing, but then when you go through that path, you realize, no, it's actually something different that you can still be related to. And it's so important, too. Like, every step of that process for you is so crucial. I was just having a conversation with someone about this the other day. Like, cutting your teeth and, like, going through the, like, ringer of trying different things is literally, like, so valuable because eventually... You know, if you do find where your strengths are and you end up aligning with that and you're with a team of people, some of the things that those people on your team are going through might be things you've experienced before. So, you know, that's why, like, they always say jack of all trades, master of none. I don't believe in that, like, 
whatsoever. I think being a jack of all those trades is going to help you master whatever the one is because it's going to provide the foundation of like knowing all these different things, which ultimately is like contributing to your end goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, gives, now, it just helps your foundation. You know what I mean? Right. And like now is the perfect time to like get involved and like make those mistakes and learn early Try on. Try stuff. Yeah, because, I mean, the second you become, you know, 30-plus years old and you're working with other people's money and you're working with big budgets and, you know, you ha- that's when you have to actually make things happen and be mm-hmm. successful. And so now is the perfect time to really figure out what am I passionate about or how can I make a career in music happen? Like, what am I passionate about right now? And then how can I find a way to transfer, transfer that to music? Because mm-hmm. I think if you go the other way around and you just say, like, I want to be in music and you just start, like, fumbling around with every single thing you can... That, I think that process might take a, little, a lot longer when, it's, when in reality you can kind of look from the very beginning and think, all right, what am I passionate about? I'm passionate about writing. I'm passionate about social media. Okay, now how does that apply to the music industry? Right, yeah. So what do you do as a publicist for these local artists? Yeah, so I actually work with two Grand Rapids artists, uh, one by the name of Super Future and the other by the name of Ghetto Blaster. And Ghetto Blaster is actually a duo. And um, so basically what I do with those guys, and as well as the three artists I work with in L.A., um, I basically help them develop an idea for how we can get their song picked up or covered by media. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe they're releasing a new single or a new album. So that process kind of starts with me asking them some questions about their music, about their, like, their vision for this song, and then I'll put together a press release, and I'll also put together a strategy for how we go about reaching these, uh, these journalists, you know, figuring out is this song a good fit for this outlet? Or if if it is, who is the best person we reach out to that's going to cover it? Because with electronic music especially, there's so many different subgenres. If you pitch a heavy, you know, bass music song to somebody who likes to chill, you know, yeah, mellow you songs. Yeah, you your audience. Exactly. Then it's, it's never going to get uh, covered. And so it's also figuring out, you know, when are these publications posting, you know, their weekly recaps or, you know, we know on Tuesdays they always do a, a techno playlist for some blogs. So it's like, okay, knowing that is really helpful because I'm not going to pitch a techno song on a Wednesday because I just missed that deadline. I want to pitch it that Friday or that Monday because I know that's when they're more the likely to pick one. it up. Yeah. yeah. So it's really just like being able to be strategic about those moves as well because then that really prevents me just mass sending out emails and, you know, never getting a response. You know, I'd rather send out 10 really calculated emails rather than 50 because usually with those 10 really strategic ones, I can get more success. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, from there, after I develop that strategy, I develop the pitches and I actually reach out to those uh, journalists and then I'll kind of coordinate the communication uh, on behalf of the artist. So if they maybe want to schedule like an interview, whether it's by phone or email, I'll coordinate that. So really it's just like me telling the artist, like, all right, here's what's happening, and they can kind of go about their day-to-day without having to worry about what's going on with, like, you know, media picking them up or trying to get their music promoted, because I think a lot of artists, it's not that they don't know how, but that's not what their passion is. Right. Their passion is for producing. So, like, like we were talking about being able to help people out. If I can come and take that w- workload off for you, then that's really valuable to them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's kind of like in a nutshell what I really do as a freelance publicist. Okay. Um, but I also kind of just even provide like counsel like on certain things. Like if I see something on Twitter that I think like, oh, you should like look into this because they're looking to book talent for this festival. Whatever things like that. I'm just always trying to keep my eyes open and help, you know, be strategic in certain moves for those artists. Yeah. Do you work with booking agents or are you the booking agent? Yeah. So I don't work with the booking agents directly um, and kind of like... A lot of these artists, because they're starting out, they're almost their own, you know, booking agent. Sure. Um, And so 
when they're actually like reaching out to talent buyers, that's an area that like I actually don't have a lot of experience in. And it's something that I think, you know, I would definitely benefit from. But, you know, right now I'm trying to focus on what I know I'm really successful mm-hmm. at. And I mean, with the, you know, talent buying, booking agent aspect, that is also like a really important part of, uh, you know, the process. And so I think eventually that might be something I want to try to like maybe try my hand in or, you know, become more acquainted with people who actually do that. Um, but right now I try to just focus on like, you know, helping you know, uh, promote their music online and also maybe through, like, traditional media forms, too. Okay. All right. So then what do you do on... Because you're on, like, the media side, I guess. <sighs> what don't I do? <laughs> <laughs> um, I do... It's funny. So right now I do a lot of radio shows, so not so much specific... Kind of, like, exactly the opposite of what Sean does, to be honest. I don't work specifically directly with artists. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of what I do... Outside of my, you know, corporate media life is, uh, I do podcasts, so it's a really cool way that I give artists a platform to just, like, talk about whatever they're passionate about, um, and kind of open the discussion to talk about different ideas and different things with, I like to tap on, like, different things within the music scene that they might feel, you know, could be improved or need improvement. Um, that, I I like to showcase people's music when I can. Um, obviously, you know, I work for, uh... Corporate entities, so it can be hard to to do that in the full capacity that I would like to. But it is a really fun like part of my career that I get to do that, um, and really just it, compelling content is like what I do. Is um, you know putting on a great show. I'm on the air every Saturday and Sunday right now. Okay. So I do. I cover two different radio stations on Saturdays, two different radio stations on Sundays. Actually, sometimes three on Saturdays. I do one in Detroit as well. Uh, with Channel 955 there. So, yeah, a lot of that. Um, and right now I'm just working on a lot of, like, building the back end of my brand to be able to kind of take this little media package I'm doing right now and take it to a big market because I really want to be more of a, a big player in the media game. Okay. How long have you been doing that? Uh, I've been So I've been with iHeart for two years now. I've been... Um, Pretty much full-time for, like, a year and a half, and then just recently I've started to kind of, like, shift my focus to more freelance stuff, and uh, for a while I was just pretty much, like, DJing and doing events. Um, I used to throw parties and stuff, too. I'm kind of going really out of order with all this. That's okay. (laughs) But, but yeah, so I've been kind of just bouncing around, doing a lot of different things over the years, and uh, it's been really fun because, like, I've watched a lot of artists like really grow and kind of been able to help them in a lot of different ways like one other thing I do too that I know didn't mention is I work with uh, Samsara Family Collective so we're like a collective of seven artists and I've kind of been sort of like a I hate to say like creative director but I've almost I'm almost more of just like a creative critic in a sense for the group like kind of uh being that voice that's like, oh no, like we shouldn't take this opportunity. We should ask for more on this opportunity. We should, you know, hone in these tracks with these people. Really try, to, you know, kind of like looking at the whole project as like from a macro scale and like applying what I've learned from my years of you know throwing shows and seeing people come and go in the industry and all mm-hmm. of that. Um, so yeah, I do. I, what do I do? A lot. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's, it's never a dull moment. Like, every day is different in what I do. Um, but ultimately, like, the overriding goal of it all is, like, 
I make people's lives better. Okay. <laughs> you know, whether yeah. whether it's you're driving in your car and you hear me, like, say a funny joke on the air, or whether it's, like, I'm helping someone, you know, get a much better deal out of whatever they're trying to accomplish with, like, a show or something. Um, or, yeah, I mean, DJing in clubs, that's a super fun thing, too, you know? Mm. Overall, my, my, like, headline of everything is just, like, make people's lives better. Okay, make people's lives better. Got yeah, it. Pretty much. Um, what's your favorite part, both of you, about working with artists? My favorite part about working with artists is, um, I love, man, that's a that's a really tough question because there's so much to be said about working with someone who is just like pouring their heart and soul into something. I think my favorite thing of all is watching the growth watching an artist go from you know a really pathetic graphic and like some poorly made songs to watching like as time progresses all of a sudden they're they're in tune with their sound and like suddenly you can identify like you hear a song and you're like oh i know that person made that Mm -hmm. um just watching that whole process is like super super rewarding especially when you work closely with those people um yeah, I would say that's that's probably, like, the best feeling about it. And just, you know, anytime you're in an arena where people are, like, passionate about what they're doing and they're able to put that passion at the forefront is just really, about, like, it's, you know, it's something to sleep good about at the mm-hmm. end of the night. So, yeah, I would say that's definitely... Yeah, I definitely agree with the whole idea of being able to watch artists grow. I think that's super an enjoyable experience to witness and especially too when you can kind of be a part of that growth I think for me that's something that's really um, you know sticks out to me is being able to actually help an artist out and feeling like I'm valuable to them and I'm not just uh, another crazed fan who wants to hang out and party with them um, because they get that all the time so it's like to actually be you know a valuable part of a team where you know we're working together to you know do one common thing and that common thing is to help this artist you know be as big as they can be you know I think that's super uh, enjoyable and super rewarding and another thing too I really enjoy about working with artists is seeing their success happen so like not only for seeing the growth, but then seeing them like get wins and seeing their hard work pay off immediately. I think just being able to be a, a valuable person on an artist team and just um, and just being part of that experience is so important for me. Just because I've always been so passionate about music, and I've always been on the other end of the, of the spectrum where it's like I'm consuming all this music, and I'm you know I'm falling in love with all these artists that I don't know, but I know everything about them, but they don't know who I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like to be on the other end of that spectrum where it's yeah. like you know you have that best friend almost like relationship with your artist that you work with and you know you talk all the time and you just are able to you know be real with each other and give each other feedback and not have to feel like you know you're talking to somebody who is just paying your bill or is just giving you something to do you know Mm -hmm. I think that's really cool that I've been able to be a part of that yeah definitely so speaking of wins you both kind of touched on like the growth and success do you each have any wins for yourself that you would count I honestly have been trying to really hard, uh, like, look at every single, like, win, whether it's big or small, and just, like, appreciate it for what it is. Um, and that's something that I've always, like, had a hard time doing is being able to, uh, like, appreciate, like, 
in the moment what's going on because then you always look back you know a month or a year later and you're like wow like I wish I realized wish I yeah I really yeah. wish I realized how you know great that moment was and so for me you know like everything when whether it's like just getting an artist featured in a small publication that has 3,000 followers or getting them featured in a publication that people read all over the country like any one of those wins for me is just so special because I feel like with not that they couldn't have done that without my help because they ultimately have the content that they produce that gets featured, but to actually be able to like see that, you know, see that their name in the headline or, you know, read their story in an interview or something like that. Um, every single one of those wins is like really special to me, but you know, the most recent one that happened was the local Grand Rapids artist I work with super future. Uh, he recently was interviewed uh, by local spins and that was posted on their website. Um, you know, last week of March, and, you know, just probably that was probably the best written article I've ever read about him in general. And, you know, just being able to like I wasn't the one who wrote it. I was only the one who helped create that opportunity. And he was the one who gave all the responses. Um, but just like being able to see that, you know, result and actually read it and, you know, see his reaction like that to me is just so special every time. Yeah. Awesome. What about you? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so many wins like, you know that I've experienced over the years, but I think the biggest thing is, like, no matter how good things get, you have to, like, the nature of this business is, like, you have to stay hungry for more. Like, that that cannot be stressed enough. Um, It's too easy to be like, oh, we got this placement? Good. Like, that's it. Like, kick your feet out. Like, no, 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 no. Like, the nature of the music business is so competitive and it's so forward thinking that it's like, yes, there's wins, but ultimately it's like, what's next? What's next? Mm-hmm. What's next? What's next? Okay. You got that? Great. What are you going to do when that date's over? So while yes, there's a lot of wins, you know, I mean, I've, I've gotten podcasts with people that I never would have expected to. And I've had, like had shows happen that I never in a million years would have ever dreamed of. But ultimately, like, all of those experiences just kind of, like, propel me toward the future. And I, I'm sure if I listen to this in, like, five, ten years, I'll be like, whoa, do you, like, learn to appreciate something, okay? Because, like, don't get me wrong, like, I'm very appreciative of all the, you know, minor successes along the way. But um, it's just, it's just like, I feel, I feel right now I can't focus on that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I have, to, I have sure. to, like, I have to focus on what's next. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I'm going to get left behind. Yeah. Yeah. Because especially recently um, with Samsara, like, there's been some opportunities where it's like, you know, as much as we want to do this, we don't want to say no. It's like we're getting to the point where, like, we have to ask for more. Otherwise, we're devaluing the product. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, like, a really important thing Definitely. to really keep at the forefront. Too. So I work at a recording studio, and one of the bands that records with us was given the opportunity to play at the Trump rally. Ooh. Like right outside at the Van Andel, and they were gonna do it, and kind of talked to the team, and the engineers were like, "Don't, don't do it." For one, like, um, you know, it could kind of be bad for your reputation, but then two, like, how much are they gonna pay you? And they were only gonna pay them like a thousand bucks, and they're like, "You are worth way more than that. You book for way more than that. So why would you, why would you even consider?" 
And you just kind of have to, like, even though maybe there's a big name tied to it, you have to think about what exactly it is that you're doing and why you're doing it and if it actually aligns with who you are and what you represent. Absolutely. This is, like, a really important thing, too, um, which I don't know if it's necessarily going to apply to this audience, but I notice this a lot with, um, like, up-and-coming people in the electronic world is um, when they start to get some traction, they will sign to agencies that have big names tied to them, you know what I mean? And it's easy, it's like the same type of principle, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, well, these people manage this guy, like, they'd be great for me. It's like, yeah, but that big name that you are so attracted to them because of is bringing them in, like, sometimes upwards of, like, fifty dollars to $100,000 right. a show. Why are they going to invest any resources into you, you know what I mean? So it's really important to, like, think critically about those situations. And it's not to say that it might not be a really good opportunity that you'd want to take. But ultimately, it's, like, just because there's a big flashy name tied to the opportunity doesn't mean it's a big flashy opportunity, Mm -hmm. I guess, is, like, a good way to look at it. And, like, it's really important to really get down in the details and, like, analyze every situation like that. Like, I'm really glad they, they were able to, you know come to that conclusion by talking yeah. to their um, engineers or whatever because it's so easy to get seduced by the name oh well, we'll be like we'll be up there with this name or like mm-hmm. whatever and it's like or that, with that's this many great people. but is yeah. that really bringing you the most value based on your product mm-hmm. and I think public relations professionals have to analyze that as well especially when you're representing a client and you're kind of helping them to make those decisions like is the media coverage important enough to, you know, maybe it damages this certain aspect of the business or something along those lines. Yeah, well, I mean, too, like, especially in today's world, like, I feel like every week there's somebody who's getting into trouble for something they tweeted or, you know, something they said while they were on stage at a concert. So, yeah, like, being able to have somebody on your team who is able to sit back and look at a situation and, and be able to make decisions that... While it might not be uh, in the best immediate interest in the big picture, it's going to you know work out much better. I think, yeah, having somebody like that is super important, especially because, I mean, people, like I said, they just get into trouble all the time. And mm-hmm. even not with just getting into trouble, but finding new opportunities that are out there and being on the end of being a forward thinker and trying to be the first person to do something instead of being the first person to follow. Right. Yeah, so that's something that I definitely try to, to be involved in as much as possible. And, and that just comes from being passionate about music and just being like a binge consumer of everything music. Just being able to read all these articles and trying to analyze like what's working for artists, what isn't, and, and analyzing those trends so that when it comes time for me to work with one of my artists, you know, I can see what was successful for somebody who was, who was on a similar path. And especially with the artists I work with right now, they're all you know, on the, on the come up. So like a lot of these guys don't have any more than, you know, 5,000 followers at the most on SoundCloud. And so, you know, it's a lot harder to find opportunities and create those opportunities for them because they're not just naturally in the spotlight. They're not naturally, um, getting requests from media to talk to them, you know, Mm -hmm. so actually trying to be strategic and creative so that, you know, they're getting just as much interest um, or drawing just as much interest as, you know, bigger artists, it takes a lot of, you know, strategic thinking. And, like, storytelling is, exactly, a, is a big yeah. part of that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and finding the right way to tell a story, too, because it might not be just, you know, like, yeah, you got a new song that just came out, but what about that song can we emphasize that makes it important? Like, is it the fact that, you know, on this song you 
you played guitar, that live instrumentation over top of it, or is it because you worked with an artist who, you know, it's really hard to get time to work with in a studio? So, yeah, it's definitely finding the way that, you know, the story fits, and especially to tailoring it to whatever outlet you're pitching it to. Mm -hmm. Isn't it crazy that, like, in our world, we're all just one tweet away from everything crashing and burning, too? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like, being in the PR world is crazy for that, because it's like, you know... You could be, I mean, man, not to go down a rabbit hole, but, like, look at Roseanne. Yeah, or look yeah. at people who are into electronic music. That could be your know, artist. Don't know Datsik, the whole Datsik incident. Look at Datsik. I, I ended up literally selling my ticket when he was coming to Grand Rapids the day before everything came out um, about him. And I sold my ticket for, you know, 25 extra dollars and what it was worth because it was a sold-out show. And probably not even four hours later... Um, there was an entire media, you know, frenzy because he was being accused of, you know, all these, doing all these inappropriate things, you know, backstage and on his tour bus. And I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't recovered and I don't think he will ever Mm -hmm. recover from that. How do you guys feel about, I think it was Ultra Music Festival. Oh yeah. Yeah. This was like just (laughs) recent. I saw you tweeting about it. so funny. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of to go down the same hole as like Fire Festival. I mean, I know it wasn't. Like, Fire Festival 2.0, they called it. <laughs> Fire Festival exit stretch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, well, because, like, PR is, I mean, you can not only represent uh, an artist, but you could do communications and PR for festivals. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, from Ultra, for anybody who doesn't know what happened, uh, they basically, uh, they had to move their entire festival probably five or six months out from its original scheduled date uh, because of some, you know, regulations or things that the city of Miami decided to change for them. So they moved it to a part of, um, I forget what, what is it called? The Virginia Keys, uh, I think is what they call it. Um, But it's basically on this really tiny, you know, island that there's only one main road that they can get to. So everybody coming to the festival, you know, they're coming at staggered time. Some people are getting early, getting there early. Some people are, you know, showing up a little bit later. So getting there wasn't necessarily the problem. But then when every show ended at 1 a.m. and all 80,000 attendees were ready to leave, uh, their their plan for getting people off that island did not go as they had hoped. And there were literally videos surfacing all over Twitter of people uh, basically walking uh, the equivalent of a 5K to get back to the main uh, area of Miami so that they could get a ride to their hotel or get basically to where they needed to go. And and Ultra was just terrible about, um, you know, communicating to people not only uh, when things were happening, but, like, the next day trying to tell people that, um, like, how they were going to fix the issue. And, and that's what you brought up as I was tweeting right. about it because they – you know, I saw the things going down uh, over the weekend, and you know everybody was talking about, oh, well, we're going to do this, and uh, we're going to make things better, and we're going to fix things. But if you don't actually talk about that change, then how does anybody know? Exactly, that it's actually and that's what you happen? said. You're like, okay, well, what what are you doing? Right. Yeah. Like yeah. you say you're going to fix it, and you want everybody to trust you, but like, what are you actually doing? Right. And from what I could tell, it sounds like they ended up having a pretty uh, solid six like. Uh, successful exit plan the, the next two nights because mm-hmm. um, I didn't really see anything on social media prior to that but then also to the KFC uh, DJ slot did you guys hear about that at Ultra? Yeah. What happened? So so basically uh, there was like a five minute changeover between two artists who played at Ultra and KFC paid um, an undisclosed amount of money to Ultra Music Festival I'm assuming I doubt they let them do it for free um, but they paid basically Ultra to have that five minutes uh, to basically bring out 
um, a KFC DJ who was supposed to be like a Colonel Sanders, Colonel yeah. Sanders with like a giant like foam head on. So clearly not Colonel Sanders, which honestly, if it was Colonel Sanders, I think that would have been cool. <laughs> but so it's this guy who's clearly not Colonel Sanders trying to be. And for like five minutes playing what I would classify as like the worst electronic music I've ever heard. Like it was, it was so sounded so commercial and it sounded like so out of touch with like what, what people actually were actually happening. listening to at Ultra. Ugh. There were videos of people just standing still in the crowd and you never see people sitting still, especially at a main stage for a festival like Ultra. And DJs uh, who were playing the festival, big ones like Marshmallow, you know, took to Twitter to basically call out KFC for, you know, trying to bring corporate interest into the culture. And, and not only that, but just really kind of uh, like almost damaging the culture in a way because they made it seem so like cheesy and so like it's just not how, and from my experience and from a lot of other people's experience, how electronic music is and, and what it's all about. And so to see that, I thought that was so interesting because... You know, if somebody like any one of us three were in that room with KFC when they're coming up with this idea, I guarantee you any one of us could have came up with five five to right. ten other ideas for them to spend that much money and still get that much, and like get attention for the right reasons mm-hmm. at a music festival. I mean, they could have collaborated with somebody like Marshmallow and done something really, really cool instead of, because then from what you're saying, like it kind of seems like maybe people took it as they were trying to poke fun at them. Or just, like, totally didn't understand the whole purpose. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm going to play devil's advocate on this one. I think it's funny. Um, I think it's great that they did that, mainly because it got every... It it 100% accomplished their goal of getting people talking about KFC. Um, Okay. The biggest... (laughs) The biggest argument was that I saw, at least, was, yeah, that they were imitating rave culture, that it wasn't what the scene was about. Let's be honest. The whole electronic world is so commercialized nowadays anyways. I get where everyone's coming from about, you know, how could how could you rip on the culture, whatever. I think they set out to... I think they accomplished exactly what they set out to accomplish, which is get people talking. What are we going to do that's going to get people talking? Let's put a Colonel, hand, Colonel Sanders head on some guy and have him come out and play some cringy rave music for five minutes at Ultra. I think it, I, I honestly I think it was like a really well executed strategy. I, yeah, do I think it's kind of lame from my own perspective? Sure, but do I think it accomplished? Their, I, I think that, I don't I don't know how they could have created more of a buzz. I don't know how they could have got people talking more. I mean, yeah. Sure, I saw people <laughs> suggesting, oh, they could have given out free KFC or whatever. Cool, that wouldn't get talked about as much as it did. Um, and I think the biggest argument for a while that I was seeing was like, oh, well, why didn't they give this time slot to someone who deserved it? It's a five-minute changeover. Yeah. No one gets to play during the changeovers anyways. That's just part of that's part of how the stages are run. Um, you know, I get why people are upset about it, but from like an advertising perspective... I think they smashed it. I think I they think definitely it got really, their advertising value out of that for sure. I, I think I don't know what they could have done that would have created more buzz than doing that. That's true. What 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 could you guys know? What I mean, it here? definitely created the most buzz. I think though it kind of goes Boom. back to the point that we're talking about though is 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 I the number it, that important or is you know the end goal of what you're trying to do the most yeah. important? And I think like from their their standpoint, they're probably what trying to sell chicken. And I don't think like that. I think from that perspective. It doesn't do that because 
at least in my opinion, some of the people I think are going to have a bad taste in their mouth. Like, I think people who weren't at Ultra think it's funny. Like, but if you were there, but if you were there and you and you kind of were like in the moment, and you, I mean, who knows what people are doing when they're at these festivals, anyways? But regardless, um, like, I think all that kind of stuff. And then, like I said too, you get a lot of some of those DJs talking about it on Twitter. You know, they have following, so anybody who's a marshmallow diehard is not going to like KFC because Marshmallow tweeted about it and was mm-hmm. knocking him. So I definitely think there's, like, a little bit of pro and con to what they did. I think from a from a reach standpoint, they absolutely crushed it. There's there's no, there's nothing that's going to get you more reach in today's society than coming up with the biggest meme that you can possibly come up with. If brand awareness was their objective, then great. Absolutely. But, like, it just depends on what their overall goal was. Like, you know, were they trying to be a joke? Were they trying to be serious? Were they trying to, like, make a connection with the audience? Or were they just trying to get their name out there? Like, whatever that is, then I guess we can determine. Kind of depends what their objectives were. I mean, looking from the outside in, I don't know anyone from KFC to know their numbers, but I would have to guess that most people that actually regularly go to KFC are probably over the age of 40. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I think in terms of, like, generating buzz with a younger generation, even if it is, you know, there's, like, n- some negative publicity behind it, reality is I've never, I don't think I've ever seen KFC on my Twitter feed as much as I saw it during Ultra. Um, so, you know. I, I don't know. I, uh, I've, it's so tough to say because, like, I, I think it would be hilarious if you got a chance to kind of sit in on their boardroom and, like, what their actual yeah. goal was. Because if they're sitting there this whole time, like, man, people are going to think we're so cool. We're going to be, you know, such – we're going to be so ingrained into the culture. People are going to think what we're doing is so cool. And then to see, like, that opposite reaction, I think that would be, like, for me, the most entertaining to see. If, and if from the very get-go they're like, we know this is super cheesy and let's try to make this as cringy as possible. But I swear – They either had to try so know. hard to be cringy. <laughs> or they're just so out of touch. They had to I know. Feel like they're just out of they touch. had to know. I really know. do. That's a toss. You see so many different companies and like their PR teams, their like advertising teams, they sit down and they make this mistake. And then it's like, how the heck did they make that mistake? Right. Because they had to have known that this type of audience would have been offended by it, or this type of audience wouldn't have liked it, or this type of audience would have liked it. It's like they have to know those things, but then they do this and you're like, wait, that was really dumb. I mean, so it's like it's, it is a toss up. It's like they yeah. could have either really like just been out of touch or the fact that they're touch. even there, the fact right. that that is even the place makes me feel like they knew exactly what they were doing. I mean, reality is we can go on about this for like days. <laughs> I know we're like ranting. There's infinite <laughs> amount of like ways to look at this. I feel like, but if brand awareness was their goal, which tends to be the goal when they make big investments like that. I say they smashed it. I, I don't know how they could have done it better, honestly. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll move on. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so do you have any advice for somebody looking to make it in the music industry? Uh, yeah, definitely. So I would say we kind of touched on a couple things talking about how just trying to find your value and finding out uh, where you can fit in on a team to help somebody out. I think like finding that value is really important. Um, and I also kind of touched on being a binge consumer of just music in general, you know, everything from articles to uh, uh, listening to every subgenre that you can possibly find, um, browsing Reddit and trying to discover, you know, artists that nobody else has discovered first. You know, all that kind of stuff is really good experience because if you can have that next level uh, knowledge or like music IQ, 
then when you go to try to develop relationships with people in the music business, you're going to know your stuff. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but I really feel like, you know, if you're talking to somebody who's really important in the industry and you accidentally mispronounce an artist's name or you misclassify uh, the type of music that an artist produces, it's unfortunate, but I think a lot of people will look down on you because you don't know what you're talking about in a sense. And it could ju- could just been like a slip up or like, you know, you're mm-hmm. just not that educated on that certain thing. But, you know, ha- knowing all those things and being really educated about music in general is really important because then when you are going to build those relationships, you'll you know just have a much easier time and people will respect you for your knowledge. And especially like with what we all do and we're trying to be more of like, a, you know, the business side of things and be like a counsel to these artists you know, our intelligence is everything to them because Mm -hmm. if, if they know what we already know, then we're no use to them. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely say, you know, being a binge consumer of all things media, especially music uh, related, and then, you know, working on developing those relationships with people, you know, especially if uh, you're in Grand Valley, still at Grand Valley right now, you know, develop relationships with some of the students who are journalism majors at Grand Valley. Now, that's something I never realized uh, while I was at Grand Valley, but I mean, if you really think about it, these are the people that we're going to end up pitching in the next 10, you know, even five years from now. So being able to know those individuals, even if you just have had one positive interaction with them and, you know, they can have some sort of remembrance of you in that way. You know, five years from now, they they may be a reporter at NPR uh, and you're trying to get your artist landed on Tiny Desk. You know, you never really know. And, you know, the article that... Uh, that my one of my artists, Super Future, most recently got featured in on Local Spins was actually authored by uh, a student here at Grand Valley who she was the only individual who I've ever met from the journalism department and actually like built a relationship with. And that's only because I sat next to her and uh, it was like news reporter, like CMJ to whatever. Yeah, 200 something. Uh, that's the only reason I even met her. And if I had not sat next to her, I would not have, you know, had that relationship and and then, you know, going forward, it's so much easier to, uh, you know, pitch reporters and, mm-hmm. and get your, you know, your stories talked about if you actually have that relationship. So, yeah, yeah I would definitely say that is also a really uh, important thing that I overlooked, but it, it can definitely go a long way in terms of value. Definitely. Yeah, definitely all of that for sure. Um, I mean, music is a relationship-based business. And you have to keep that in mind, like, through and through. That means, uh, you know, to start, I guess, um, keeping, like, your nose clean is really helpful. I know this kind of goes without saying, but just, like, in general, I see people who want to get into the business, like, trash-talking other people on social media. This is just, like, baseline rookie mistake that I see a lot in the business. Um, Like, realize that anything you say is you're going to have to explain it one day. Uh, so don't do that, <laughs> especially now, like as I'm, I'm, uh, starting to hire a lot of interns for iHeart we're like, we're going through certain people's things. It's like, yeah, right. Like they said that in 2007, no way. Like, you know what I mean? Keep your nose clean. Um, I think the biggest thing too is like, start, if it's something you want to do, start it. If it's a podcast, start doing it. If it's, you want to be a producer, you better start producing. Like, I, I meet so many people who want to get into the music business but w- are not doing the very thing that they say they want to do because they feel that they need some sort of, like, hand-holding to get into it. And that's mm-hmm. not the nature of the business. The nature of the business is, like, you do what you can do and, you know, I mean, you'll build your connections and you'll you'll find your way through that. So, um, really, for a lot of people who haven't started... Start and for the people who have started already, bust your 
ass. There's no days off in this business. That, that means, you know, every minute you could be doing something, whether it's something so simple as learning about stuff by scrolling on Twitter, by seeing what people are, people in your community are talking about that day, whether it's prepping for, um, you know, for like for media people, um, prepping for a show that you have coming up or prepping for, you know, something, a bigger plan that you have down the road. Every day should be spent doing something towards your career because the music business is not a nine to five. It is a nine to nine, nine a.m. to nine a.m. You know, it's it's nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, just can't stress enough the importance of relationships. Like really building relationships with people that you want to work with, people that work with people you want to work with, people who um, are in your community doing similar things. And I think, too, another thing to, that's kind of important that has really helped me a lot over the years is just, like, not being – or, sorry, not not being, but just being versatile, you know? Not being stuck on, like, oh, this is what I want to do. This is all I'm going to focus on. It's good to, it's good to be like that sometimes, but I think at times it's really important to, like, learn what the other – um, whether it's subgenres or whatever else, what they're doing and what's working for them, because a lot of times that can apply to what you're doing, and it might be something that you know someone who does what you do has never even tried before. Yeah. So just being versatile in that and build those, build those relationships because those are the people that are going to take you mm-hmm. far. That's a huge thing in just like all of public relations. Absolutely. Just build, build, build those relationships. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's like so cliche because you just hear it so often. <laughs> no, it's but it's like, literally the truest yeah. thing. I mean, I've pretty much every like good opportunity that I have gotten in my career has been because of the people that I've built relationships with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like all, and I mentioned this earlier. All the artists I work with, we kind of have this friend first relationship where it's like I got to know these guys before I really approached them about working with them because I mean. It's really easy to look at a big artist and, you know, reach out to them and say, like, oh, I want to work with you because there's probably a lot of people who want to work with them. Um, But then, you you know, you have to find those artists who are still kind of, you know, percolating up in the the scene and and are still trying to make a name for themselves. And then being able to have that friend-first relationship really kind of uh, weeds out the, you know, the aspect of you just only promote, only trying to approach them because you want to get paid Mm -hmm. or you want to, you know work with them or something like that if you kind of have that friend first uh you know relationship with them then they really have that trust with you and that just goes such a long way because i mean at the end of the day i would not be i wouldn't have anything to pitch if these people weren't producing amazing music and like that's the thing that kind of it doesn't scare me but it it makes me really appreciate the relationships that i have because i would probably be sitting at home like just doing absolutely nothing reading about all these people who are pitching these stories i mean not actually getting a chance to pitch it if i didn't Mm -hmm. have those relationships so yeah keep building those relationships and and just try to find ways to connect with people and 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 build like a friend first relationship yeah i think it's good too to be said like cut your teeth with your friends you know like get good with your friends like Mm -hmm. you pitching your friends articles or pitching your friends um music first you know what i mean it's going to show you so much of like what you can do Mm -hmm. so that way when you do have the opportunity to work with someone at a high caliber you actually kind of know what you're doing same goes for like you know whether it's throwing events or like things like that like there's so much value to be had in just doing stuff with your friends early on in the game. Because, I mean, I, I learned most of my lessons, like, really early on doing stuff with my friends. Right. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. 
Well, thank you guys for thank talking to Thank you for having us. This has been fun. It yeah. was fun. Time just went by really fast. Shout it out to did. KFC for an awesome... Uh, <laughs> I know. We, told, we talked about that for so like, long. Skirt. Yeah, but I think... I mean, it's cool to like have different perspectives, and then all of us each being passionate about it, too, is... Totally. It's really cool. Yeah, I know. It's definitely, I feel like there's, you know, not a ton of people at Grand Valley who are passionate about music, at least the way that I feel like I am. And so, you know, it's been nice to be able to meet people like you and people like Christian. Uh, Just honestly, not only through school, but just through like the scene Mm -hmm. and just being involved and going to shows and and making friends that way. Because you never know who you're going to run into and, you know, who they are and, and who they can connect you with. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, thanks again. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter at GV underscore PRSSA. And check out the show notes for this episode on GVPRSSA.com.